We've been in the middle of a uh, series called Recalibrate. We've taken the summer, we are changing what we think. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 23 that if we can change what we think, we can change how we are. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Really straightforward. As you think, so you are. As you think, so you are. If you think a certain way, that's the way you're going to gravitate to. So we're recalibrating our mind. We've, we've, over the last several weeks, we've recalibrated our mind to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants you to prosper. Amen. Amen. God wants you to prosper. Why does God want you to prosper? Because you're His ambassador in this region, in this world, in this realm. So for you and for me, you are His show pony. You are, you are the representation of the kingdom of heaven in the world today. You are in this world, but bless God, you are not of this world. You're an ambassador. God wants you to prosper. Third John 2 says, Brethren, above all things, I wish that thou would prosper and be in health. Number two, God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be healed. He said, by his stripes, you are healed. That is my legal position. I am healed like I am Brian Hallam. I don't have to wake up in the morning and wonder if I'm Brian Hallam. I am Brian Hallam. I don't wake up in the morning and wonder if I'm healed. I wake up and I am healed because his stripes have made me healed. That is my position. That does not mean that I do not experience symptoms. It just means that if I ever do experience a symptom, the symptom is trespassing on God's property and it has to go because His will for my life is to be prosperous, heal. Number three, God does not want to condemn you. John 3, 16, for God's love the world. Gave his only begotten son so that anybody that believed on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his uh, uh, son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, listen to this, might be saved. God does not want to condemn you. Never, if you, especially if you're a Christian, but, but in any case, don't you ever go to God praying, wondering, I know you want to throw me into hell. No. I know you want something bad to happen to me. Never, not one time, has he ever wanted something bad to happen to one of his children. That would be called child abuse. And just like that wonderful song, he's a good, good father. So today we're going to talk a little bit different. We're going to talk about recalibrating our words. We're going to talk about changing how we talk and changing our environment. Almost every miracle Jesus did, he did with a spoken word. Sometimes he would touch them, but almost every time he would speak to them and he would say something like, be healed, arise, take up your bed and walk. Our words are more powerful than anything else that God has put at our disposal. But so oftentimes, we either leave them dormant or we are literally swimming against the current of God with our words. So recalibrate. It, it, recalibrate literally means 
to readjust and make sure that what you are measuring and how you are measuring is actually accurate. Let me give you a brief example. Your brain is recalibrating all day, every day, based off of your current situation and condition. So you cannot stay level-headed in life unless you, your body is recalibrating. So a healthy body will keep you level-headed regardless of the, the, the position that you are standing in. For instance, if I'm standing on this platform, which is flat, and I keep both of my legs straight, I stand up straight and my head is level. But if I were to stand one foot on this speaker and one foot off of this speaker and try to have both legs straight, now my head is pushed to the side. But because I am recalibrating, my mind is recalibrating, I can shorten this leg, leave that leg the same. Now I am level-headed even though I am on an unstable uh, uh, position. So for you and for me, we have to recalibrate how we think. So if we're going to recalibrate how we think about our words, we have to understand what kind of power and what kind of influence our words uh, actually have. Have you ever heard the, the, the statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Well, if you're, if you're talking about that from a standpoint of, you know, don't let what people say about you affect you, you know, there can be some positive, uh, uh, positive things to it. But in the grand scheme of things, there could be nothing further from the truth. Sticks and stones can hurt you, but words, listen to this, they can destroy you, they can scar you, they can do everything. And listen, they can come from somebody else, or listen, they can come out of your own mouth. Literally, there are people, and I talk to them every week, that come to me and say, well, you know, ever since my dad said this to me when I was a kid, I've had this problem. I thought sticks and stones were the only thing that could hurt us. No, words are the most powerful thing at our disposal, especially when we put God's words in our words. Now we are putting the super into the natural realm and everything can shift in your life. But you have to understand the gravity of our words. You have to understand the gravity of what we say and what it can do and not do in our life. So, Because here's the thing, if you believe that words cannot hurt you, then you believe words don't have power. Is everybody tracking? That would also mean words cannot help you. Because if you believe one thing, then the other has to be true. If words don't have power in one direction, then they don't have power in the other direction. So why does anybody say anything nice to anybody? Can't help anybody anyway. Words, on the contrary, are overwhelmingly powerful. When you look at your children, when you look at your wife, when you look at your husband, you have the power of life and of death in your mouth. You ought to be speaking life into them and life over them. But our words are extremely powerful. So what we have to do is we have to find out what does the Bible say about our words and then we have to use what the Word says, what the Word of the living God says to be our compass so that we can know how to talk, when to talk, why to talk, what to say, who to say it to, instead of just going flippantly across life and thinking that our words have no meaning, no value or otherwise because you will have, listen to this, what you say. And you will say what you think. 
So if you think God wants you to be poor and that's His will for your life, you will say that eventually and now you have activated the most powerful thing that could happen which is something coming out of your mouth with conviction behind it. Conviction meaning that's what I believe. I'm convinced of a thing. So for you and for me, we have to get to the place where we find out what God's Word says. And I like the book of James for a lot of reasons. One of them is James was Jesus' little brother. My little brother's in church today. I hope he writes a book about me one day. (laughs) But James was Jesus' little brother. So odds are he knew things about Jesus that maybe nobody else did, yet he still followed after him. That's a very powerful thing. So James says in, in, in three, uh, chapter number 3, turn there if you can. Bring your Bible to church, even if, it's your, even if it's your phone or your iPad. Bring your Bible to church. It, it has the answer for you. The most powerful thing that you can put into your mouth is the Word of God. And if you don't know the Word of God, now you can't put it in your mouth. James 3, verse 3. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Behold also ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet... Are they turned about with a small helm or a rudder? They're turned about with a small rudder, whithersoever, meaning wherever, the governor or the captain listeth. Wherever the pilot wants that boat to go, that boat will go based off of the direction he sets the rudder. Verse 5, even so, the tongue is a little member. And boast us great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. I remember one time we were camping as kids, and and we were in in the woods, and and we it was in we were in a pine uh, thicket. There was a bunch of pine trees. So Dad said, "Go get a bunch of pine straw and light it on fire, and, and we're going to build a fire." And I thought, "Man, that's a great idea." So me and my brothers, being the overachievers that we were, we got pine straw like this tall and this big around, and we were fixing to light it on fire and see, you know, start the fire. So we lit the fire, and, 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 and it got pretty big, and we thought, man, i tell you what else we need to do is we need to throw more pine straw in that fire because that fire needs to be bigger. Well, before you know it, the wind starts blowing, and all of a sudden, we're all in a mad dash to try to put the fire out so that it, it, so that it doesn't burn the woods down, even though in the grand scheme of things, it was a very small fire. But how big of an issue can a small fire make? Firemen go to investigate arson. They go to investigate uh, different problems. And they'll come and they'll find us that, well, it was just one lit cigarette. And it started a fire that burned millions and millions of acres. You know, it's, it's imperative to understand that the Word of God says that is the gravity that our words have. They can start with just a little spark, yet can burn down your life. 
The Bible says that you take a little piece of metal, a bit, and you put it in a horse's mouth, and then that horse goes every direction uh, that, the, that the rider wants the horse to go. I think it's interesting to point out that you don't put a, horse, a bit in a horse's mouth uh, when the horse is wild and running free. You put the bit in the horse's mouth when the horse is tame and ready for it. There are people out there, they have no concept. They are the Mustangs of life, if you will. They've never had horseshoes. They've never had any of those other things. So our first step when we win people is not to make sure that they have a bit in their mouth. Our first step to win people is actually to get them to a place where they recognize, listen, there's grain inside the corral. There's protection inside the corral. There's water inside the corral. Don't look at this corral as something that will hold you in. Look at this corral as something that will keep everything trying to hurt you out. But we don't just run up and put a bit in their mouth. But you and me, especially if you've been in the corral for a while, you shouldn't sound like a Mustang. You shouldn't sound like everybody that has no concept of what God says about our life or about you. You see, your life, according to James, Jesus' brother, who wrote a book in the Bible, it literally, your words set the course for your life. Romans 10.10 says, the power, uh, excuse me, uh, life and death is in the power of your tongue. It's in your mouth. Life, excuse me, Romans 10, 10 uh, says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Literally, you believe with your heart, but confession out of your mouth is made, uh, confession unto salvation is made with your mouth, which means quite simply, your mouth is the most powerful member that you have. Forget about the muscles, forget about all the other stuff, your mouth, your words are the most powerful thing that you have at your disposal, and they are either pointing you in the direction of the things of God, or they are warring in the spirit against the things of God. He says, listen, you're going to believe in your heart, but then you're going to confess with your mouth. Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Which says this, death and life is in the power of your tongue, and whichever direction you go, that's what you're going to eat. You will reap what you sow. Amen. So if you're sowing discord, if you're sowing issues... If you're sowing, I just speak my mind and, and I'm just that way. My mama was that way. My grandma was that way. My great-grandma was that way. I'm going to be that way. Let me tell you something. You are going to reap that kind of nonsense in return. God gave you a brain which is supposed to have a filter in it so you can process what you're thinking before you spew something other than life out of your mouth which is the most powerful thing you've got. That means we don't just go talking haphazardly. Uh, an old Jewish uh, uh, um, quote says this. It says, uh, a lying tongue, excuse me, an evil tongue, an evil tongue kills, uh, slays three. Slays the slanderer, easy for you to say, the slandered and the listener. Our words not only destroy the one we are talking about, 
They destroy us as we say it. And they bring down anybody who will listen. So when we get to this place in our life and we begin to, the, the light bulb begins to come on and we begin to do a legitimate inventory. We look in the mirror and say, well, what am I saying? What am I not saying? And can you just raise one hand to me, like, raise one hand to heaven and just go, I will look in the mirror. Come on, raise one hand to heaven. I will look in the mirror. I know it's not popular in church in 2016, but I think God has a revival that wants to come to this, to, to come to this region. And it doesn't come with hopscotch and Reese's Cups. Why do I want candy now? No, the word of the living God is what will change us, will shape us, will mold us. So if his Bible says it, we believe it. If his Bible does not say it, we don't necessarily believe it. But we put our faith in the word of God, period. So here's what it says. It says so many times in our life, we don't recognize that we have that power of life and death. But we have to recognize that when we do, we will eat whichever direction we go. We will eat the fruit of whichever direction we take. So when you look in the mirror and you find yourself and you say, man, I don't know what I'm doing with my words. I can't tell you I'm speaking life. There's really two options. Option number one is you didn't know. Unfortunately, you can't say that anymore. Option number two, you're just haphazard, flippant, decide to not care. And this message is getting heavier than I thought it was going to be actually. But in your life, you're going to run into people that profess one thing and act a different way. We are not throwing rocks at anybody nor will I throw rocks at myself. However, we've got to get to the place where we choose to put our entire life behind this word and not just what we say. The Bible says be doers of the word and not just hearers. So this week you have homework. This week you begin... To change how you talk. You say, man, I already speak life. Well, glory to God. Speak life times ten now. You say, man, I've never heard this. I, I, I don't understand. What do you mean? The power of life and death is in my mouth. What do you mean my words are so powerful? I'm telling you, your life will begin to shift. And the Bible says that your mouth, your tongue, your words are the rudder that will put it on that course. Here, here's, some, here's some very practical examples. Areas that we can shift. If you ever find yourself saying this, I can't do it. I can't deal with that person. I can't endure another day. I can't deal with this situation. In life, there is the current of the world and there is the current of God. They are divergent at all times. They are going in opposite directions at all times. And when you said, I cannot, 
You just agreed with the world when the word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, give God a hand of praise. I can do all things. Now, if you have a feeling that you're called to ministry, number one, I agree with you. Every single person that's born again is called to be a minister, period. Uh, end of discussion. Get in the fight with us. However, uh, so many times I hear this, I need to find out what my gift is. And I agree. People have giftings. I have giftings. One of my best gifts is be able to style an amazing hairdo. It's a gift. Don't hate the player, hate the game. This is your first time here. Come back next week. We'll tone it down a little bit. But I hear it all. I got to find out what my gift is. This is my gift. I only operated my gift. I need to find what my gift is. Gifts are like bonus time. When you're operating in a gift, Something that is difficult to everybody else is easy to you. You see people operating in a gift. I could do everything that I wanted to do, but I'm not fixing to sing like Tiffany Humphrey. (laughs) Amen. Not only does she work at it very hard, but she's gifted. She is anointed to sing. Matthew, we're still praying about. (laughs) As a joke. He also sings good. Very good. But when you're in a gift, you're operating in an area that should be more difficult than it is. Some of you, you have the gift of being nice or kind. You say, that can't be a gift. Have you ever been around a grump? (laughs) It's a gift. But just because you have a gift, That doesn't exclude you from doing everything else. When the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And every time you say, I cannot, you just agreed with the world. You just got in the current of life on this world, in this world, and you jumped out of the current of God, which is trying to take you from glory to glory. At my house, and, and, and this is where I would inject your story. If I knew your story, I'll just tell you my story. Uh, when Crystal and I got married, we had some commitments that we made to one another. Uh, one of those commitments is we do not say, I can't. That means our children have never heard it. Our children, they, they do, if they say, Daddy, I'm not sure if I can do that. I say, I'm certain you can do it because Philippians 4.13 says you can do all things through Christ. Whether or not you want to do it, whether or not you do it, I can't speak to. But you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So my kids, don't, they don't say I cannot. They don't say. Uh, another word that, that, that we, just, the, we, we just made the decision. We don't use the word hate in our house unless it's related to sin or things that are directly contrary to God's Word. Not because, uh, not because I don't you know, hate Brussels sprouts, I actually like Brussels sprouts, but not because there's not food that I would say I hate, but because words have so much gravity, I do not weaken or lessen them by letting them be heard in areas and arenas that they don't belong. 
Does this make sense? So get the, the I can't out of your vocabulary and jump in the current of God and see what He won't do with your life. It doesn't mean that God won't do something if you're talking like that. I know plenty of people that God just, through His sovereignty and His mighty right hand, He certainly can go against the current of the world. But I'm trying to make it so easy for the things of God to manifest in my life that I want to be in the current. I want to be paddling downstream. I want to be saying what God said. I want to be listening to what God says. I want to be about the things of God. Another thing, uh, I'm not good at blank. Because my Bible says that we call it things that are not as if they were. Which means, if I'm not good at it, uh, I might say something. Let me give you an example. I started playing the piano a little bit uh, several years ago. And when you, when you start with it, you know, it's just not like a beautiful sound, you know. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I was just making noise. I'll just be honest with you. But I would sit there and I'd, be, I'd hit the wrong, I'd hit the wrong key, I'd hit the wrong note, I'd hit it wrong. And man, the, the thought would come to mind. I'd be like, man, I'm just not any good at this. And, and I would just say, no, no, no. I'm a, I'm an exceptional piano player. Amen. I'm exceptional at this. And, and it wasn't because I'm, I'm not believing or not seeing my current condition. It's just that my current condition does not dictate my ultimate, ultimate position. I'm going to be what I say and I'm going to say what I think so I'm going to think and say what God's Word says. So we just don't say I'm not good at it. We can say I might not be ready yet. We can say I'm working on it. We can say any of those things. But as for me and my house, we don't talk about things we can't do and we don't talk about not being good at something. Another thing, uh, I always, you ever heard this? If it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have luck. I always get the short end of the stick. You just jumped over into the current of the world and out of the current of God. Because the Bible says God always causes me to triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Which means if I do not have overwhelming victory, then the fight is not over. But I'm going to have overwhelming victory... Period. End of discussion. So my mind has to be recalibrated. I always, it, it always bad happens to me. I tell you what, you know what? It just rains on me. It be, it, you know, I, I'm always the one. I'll probably get a flat tire. Well, call it on in, Cletus. Say <laughs> so you're taking it too far. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't stop halfway? Oh, you have what you say. We speak the Word of God. We stand on the Word of God. You say, what do you do when you still have a symptom? You call things that are not as if they were and they will be. Oh, I've got this deal. I have a cold. Well, how long are you going to keep it? You even do it over a cold? I do it when I wake up and sneeze in the morning. Have you ever had a a sickness try to come on your body? Sure. I'm a walking target. But the devil is a liar. Just because he's got me in his sights doesn't mean he's going to get me. We 
change how we talk. Just get I can't out of your vocabulary. Just don't say it. Unless it's I can't stand to be away from God. I can't stand to feel like He's far from me. I can't wait to get to church and magnify God. I can't wait to read His Word. I don't ever feel like that. Start talking about it. Because whatever you think you'll say, whatever you think you are, whatever you say you'll have, you start saying, I can't wait to read my Bible in the morning. Oh, Lord, good night. I love you, Lord, but I can't wait to read my Bible in the morning. Wake up the next morning, first thing on your mind is a, a Folgers cup of coffee. But then all of a sudden, something will begin to shift. Be like, man, I think I'm going to grab my Bible before I go to work. I think I'm going to read, I'm gonna read a, a chapter in Proverbs today before I start my day. Because you have what you say. Get the I can't out of your vocabulary. Get the I am not good out of your vocabulary. Get the I'm always the short end of the stick. Here, here's another one. I'm so scared that this is going to happen. I'm so scared that that is going to happen. Watch the news and you see the mosquito sickness flying around. Zika or Zika. My Bible says there is a name above every name that can be named. And that name is above Zika, Zika, or any other name they want to they want to put on it. A thousand may fall at one side and ten thousand at my right, but it will not come near me in Jesus' name. Your words, your words change the way you talk. Listen, I wasn't going to say this. I'm going to say it with your children. They need your correction, absolutely. But they need your encouragement just as much or more. You got to look at them like you're building a structure and it's brick by brick, brick by brick. When you go see a beautiful building, that thing didn't happen overnight. You go to downtown Houston, Dallas, you see those big, beautiful skyscrapers. Some of those things took years to build. But the architect, the designers, the engineers, the, the, the laborers, nobody got intimidated and nobody got discouraged when the thing wasn't done overnight. Listen, when you get to the third floor and somebody breaks a pipe and it leaks down to the other floor, they didn't stop building the building. They fixed the issue, then got back to laying bricks. With your kids, listen, we're, we're in a marathon here. With your grandkids, we're in a marathon. With the relationship with your husband and your wife, we're in a marathon. Brick by brick by brick by brick. They walk in the door, oh, good morning. How are you today, brick? You look wonderful today, honey. Brick? Oh, this old thing? Yeah, that old thing. Brick? And if we really want to go, if we really want to, I know I, I'm getting short on time, but if we really want to go, honey, we've been married, what, 
25 years, yeah, 25 years. When you say this to people, it's very disparaging. Now you, you've got to receive it as if the person other than Christ who loves you more than anybody else on the planet just gave you some insight into an area of your life that you might be blind to. So you say, thank you for telling me that. I'm going to work on it, Brick. Comes in from work, throws his dirty boots on the floor again. You go pick them up. Put them by the door again. Would you like a cup of coffee, honey? Brick. Are you serious? I am absolutely serious. You want to build skyscrapers? You just keep building and don't get discouraged along the way. It's the current of the world and the current of God. Get I can't out of your vocabulary. My kids, listen to this. Not one time in their life have they heard Crystal or me. And I'm not talking about us. I'm just telling you, this is something we decided a long time ago. They've never heard, I can't afford. Because my God supplies my needs according to His riches and glory. He can do exceeding abundantly above more than we can ask or think. If He in fact paves His streets with gold, then I can afford anything. I'm just not buying it today. Dad, do we have enough money? Yes. Calling things that are not as though they were. Last one, then I'm going to close. I mentioned it a second ago. I'm scared this will happen. I'm scared that will happen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Today's vernacular would just say, even though I'm walking in the shadow of death, I refuse to be afraid. Because you are with me. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love. You only have a sound mind when it's recalibrated to think what God's Word says. Isaiah 26 says, He'll keep it perfect peace, him whose mind stayed on him. This week... I want you to take a moment. Be honest with yourself. Nobody's going to look over your shoulder when you do it. Find the areas of your life where you're not speaking life. Have you talked about your job, your employment? When last year you were praying that God would give you a job and you were thanking Him for it last year, 
now you're talking bad about him. Are you talking inside of your family unit in ways that do not add a brick? <laughs> well, you're adding a brick. You're just adding a brick. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about building. Is there anything in your life where you're out of your mouth saying you cannot? You just argued with the Word of God. You just argued with God. Because He said you can do all things. Young people, God's going to do phenomenal things with you. And there may be some areas of expertise that you dive into. But there's nothing you can't do. I look at David and many of our other heroes. Man, they were... They were a shepherd. They were a delivery boy. They were a guitar player. Come on, somebody. They were a carry the armor for them. They were a warrior. They were they everything. He was a priest and a king. He was everything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But don't put me in a box. God did. Let's change our thinking and change our life. Give God a hand of praise. Stand to your feet.